Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. Hope you wrapped up those hashtag TCK titles. It's your host, Sky Guasco, joined by my man, Dweez Nuts, all Z's, no S's. Y'all know who it is. You hear him usually on Tuesdays during the season, breaking down the Stat Rat episodes. Stat Rats are done for 2020. We are getting into 2021 now. This is episode 339. Bring him my boy, Dweez. Dweez, what's up, man? Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. You and I haven't been on a podcast as a duo in a real long time. Of course, you were holding down Tuesdays by your lonesome. You brought in so much information with the stat rats, but we haven't connected on air at least for quite some time. And how are you? Let's check in real quick before we dive in to some fun things for 2021. Any championships your way, man? How was the 2020 season for you? 2020 was good. Look, it's good to be back. Good to hear your voice again and get to talk back to you. Obviously, I listen to the show and I'm not on, but I don't, you don't, you don't uh, respond when I talk back uh, on air that way um real real sad that stat rats done i was really enjoying putting those together so that brings a little tear to one eye and then you you say the uh, tck titles and in that tck rookie league i got knocked out of the semifinals in a game i shouldn't have fucking lost my team just laid an egg and i'm, I'm upset about that too so that's the tear in the other eye it's a sad sad occasion for me here but overall you know i had a good year i, I had 13 leagues going uh, i made Ooh. 11 playoffs eight semifinals, five finals. I started Derek Carr in a couple of spots that, uh, you know, that didn't pan out quite as well as it should have in the semifinals for me. And then um, three championships. I'll take three out of 13, though. Not bad. Derek Carr game, of course, was uh, the when he pulled his groin early in the game. Unfortunately, I know that that was your demise in the uh, TCK Listener League, unfortunately. However, good news for you in the TCK Listener League. Um you will be bumping up to the veterans. Oh, Obviously, you're you're a veteran anyway. Uh, and just a, a last reminder, I guess, until we get back into the TCK Listener League, um, come around summertime, the rookie and the veteran league had nothing to do with your actual uh, fantasy uh, rapport, your fantasy skill level, how long you've been playing. It had nothing to do with that. It was strictly a matter of were you in the league last year? And you were not. So you were in the quote unquote rookie league, Josh McDonough, the commish representative been playing fantasy forever. He's on the commish pod. The man knows what he's doing. Also in the rookie league had nothing to do with your guys' prowess. It was simply, were you a part of it last year? You weren't now this year. You were, you were both in the top four. You will be moving up to the veteran league. And we of course will be knocking down the bottom four from the veteran league into the rookie league, flushing out those other eight members. Uh, number five through 12 will be flushing those out. So we'll have eight spots available 
in the uh, TCK Listener League for the Rookie League. And we might have to bring in another league, a third one, because last year I had to, unfortunately, give a few people the stiff arm because we frankly just ran out of room. But look, if the demand is high, we will, of course, provide for the people. Dewey, it's a blast to have you on, man. Let's have some fun. We're going to kind of have a... Uh, 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 charcuterie board, if you will, on this episode here. We don't have a particular topic. We're going to kind of dive into a handful of different things previewing this week and the rest of the NFL postseason. What we're going to do here uh, on the TCK pod for the next couple of weeks and just kind of dabble on things. We're going to get some recap episodes going on. We're going to have some previews of the next season. Look, you said it on the stat rep multiple times. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. We don't shut down completely. We are going to shave off a couple episodes a week just so that, uh, you know, I know you're a family man. I'm a family man myself. <laughs> I would love to see my kids for the first time in 17 <laughs> weeks. Um, so we're going to back off just a fuzz, but we are going to be dropping uh, the occasional episode, probably at least two a week, maybe three. And of course, as the NFL draft happens, we get through free agency. We have coaching changes. We have the trades coming up and we have, of course, the summertime, we will quickly pick it back up for everybody. So stay tuned with us. TCK pod. You heard all the links in the intros and you can find my man, of course, at Dwee's nuts on Twitter, all Z's, no S's. All right, man. So what we're going to do first is we're just going to kind of quickly recap. We're not going to dive into a bunch of numbers. We're going to save that for other episodes coming up, but we're just going to briefly jump into the top 10 finishers of each position. So that's very, very cut and dry. Just who's the top 10. We're going to stick in the full PPR uh, zone. I know people do half PPR. There's standard leagues, of course. There's bonus leagues. We're going to keep it easy. We're going to do PPR. I'm going to read off the top 10. We're going to get a quick thought on each one. Maybe who was the most surprising in this group and who was kind of that one that we counted on and they stood pat. After that, we're going to jump into just a brief preview of the NFL playoffs. So we're in the wild card week this week. All right. We have 14 teams this year, not 12. We have that seventh seed. That's unusual. We only have one team on the bye in each week or in each uh, conference, the chiefs and the saints, of course, not two per usual. And we'll be just quickly brief uh, previewing those matchups. And then we'll get into the overall, you know, weekly breakdown that you all are used to early games, later games, that kind of a thing. And then at the end, we're just going to go over a couple quick, you know, things to consider, uh, things to look forward to that we are going to be bringing you with the TCK pod moving forward. And of course, we'll get Lucas and Bobby back on the program ASAP. Dewey's, you ready, buddy? There's a lot to cover, man. Let's rock and roll, baby. Let's rock and roll. Love it. Okay, so we'll start here with the top 10. And you know what? Let's make it the top 12. Top 10 is just stuck in my brain from the old like MTV countdowns, yeah. you know, and you and I are both elder statesmen here in the fantasy uh fantasy MTV generation yeah love th- it. Th- thank you you know trl before and after school i mean <laughs> i don't need to, i don't need to get into p- specifics but let's just say that matt pinfield is one of my ogs i'll just leave it there <laughs> anyone that knows what i'm talking about knows what i'm talking about uh, yeah. say what karaoke anyway so <laughs> let's dive into the top 12 not the top 10 because in fantasy world we do top 12s more than top 10s so we'll do that so very quickly off the bat here, number one through 12, here are your top 12 fantasy quarterbacks for the end of the season. Number one, Josh Allen, just over Kyler Murray by about five total points. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Number four, Patrick Mahomes. Number five, Deshaun Watson. Number six, Russell Wilson. Number seven, Ryan Tannehill. Number eight, 
Tom Brady, number nine, Justin Herbert, number 10, Lamar Jackson, number 11, Kirk Cousins, number 12, Matt Ryan. Now, this is total points. This is not points per game. This is total points. Allen, Murray, Rogers, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, Tannehill, Brady, Herbert, Jackson, Cousins, Ryan. Dweez, of that mix, give me your most surprising quarterback in the top 12. I don't know that it's necessarily surprising, but I uh, going into this season, I had – I had some diminished expectations for Deshaun Watson with DeAndre Hopkins leaving this team. Uh, David Johnson coming in. I thought the game plan was going to be a little different. The whole team was going to look a little bit different. That receiving core was sort of ragtag to begin the season. Uh, so I, I I actually ranked him outside my top 10 going into this um, year. But finishing at five, dude, you can't watch that dude play football and not appreciate uh, what he does he like he just wants to win more than anybody else on the field and he proved to me this year in a year I expected him to be down and his team was bad they had four wins on the season but he proved to me that he is absolutely an elite quarterback he is an, an elite football player I should say because uh, he's just he's just going to do whatever it takes to win so so him finishing five was surprising to me just because of what happened on that team and that's where he usually finishes so not much of a downtick What's interesting, I totally agree with you. I'm going to pick somebody else just for sake of conversation to get a couple names out here, but Deshaun Watson, absolutely on the short list of surprises for quarterbacks for everything that you mentioned. And preseason, of course, we had kind of the big six, right? You had some version of Mahomes in pretty much everybody had some version of Mahomes or Lamar up at the top, one or two, whatever. But after that, it was a different conglomerate or of Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. Let's not forget about Dak. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. And then most people had like probably Josh Allen at number seven as like, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, he's like the frosting in between the two Oreos. You know what I mean? You had like the top, you had the bottom, and then you had Josh Allen like in the middle. Yeah. So he, so Deshaun Watson was in the top six, but a lot of people, me included, and it sounds like yourself, didn't feel good about it. I was kind of like, dude, I know the talent's amazing. And I was banking on like, well, they're going to be losing, which they were all season long. Mm -hmm. His rushing, his rushing upside is something that is just that cheat code in fantasy. Plus, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is gone, but if Will Fuller can give us eight games, he might be okay. Well, Will Fuller was as advertised again. He didn't even get hurt this year. He got suspended for PEDs, which is a whole other situation. But look, Brandon Cooks came in. He was excellent. That deep thread, uh, deep threat. Uh, they got. Um, Kiki QT and even Chad Hansen at the end of the season, Randall Cobb before he went down, they worked uh, pretty well there. And of course, David Johnson and Duke Johnson did well out of the backfield. So Deshaun Watson, I think is a great call ends at five. A lot of people had him ranked at about that five, six position. So he was as advertised. Look, I got to start up. Everyone on the podcast knows that I'm a Justin Herbert Homer. And it sounds like the obvious, like, Oh, of course. I mean, everyone loves Justin Herbert at this point. But let's dial back to August, okay? And the mindset coming into the Chargers was, A, he's not even the starter. B, he's a rookie even if he is the starter. C, Tyrod Taylor's not amazing, but he is definitely a starting quarterback in fantasy circles. He's kind of one of those Ryan Fitzpatrick guys, which, like, you're not stoked on it, but he can put up numbers for you, has a rushing upside. We all know what happens. Uh, there was a conspiracy with the Chargers camp. They puncture Tyrod Taylor's lung, uh, and Justin Herbert gets the chance. All of a sudden, boom, he breaks all the rookie quarterback records. Um, he even he was 39 yards short of the passing record uh, for yardage there. That was about the only one that he didn't break this season. 
incredible athlete. Everyone knows that I love him. I'm an Oregon guy. I watched him in high school at Sheldon High School, whatever. Uh, but just seeing him in the top 10, let alone a QB1, uh, was pretty special. Also, if you picked him up off of waivers, most likely, um, if you're in a redraft league, seeing him carry your fantasy team for the bulk of the middle of the season, maybe Dak went down or some of these other guys weren't performing well. All of a sudden you had Justin Herbert, just like buoying your team off the waivers. That's a huge upside. So for me, it's going to be Justin Herbert. Before we move on to the running backs, who is somebody in this list that you just like, look, you, you drafted him there to be that guy. And sure enough, he was again, a reminder, top 12, Allen Murray, Rogers, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, Tannehill, Brady, Herbert Jackson, Cousins, Ryan, who in that group was somebody that you drafted either early or you drafted late expecting them to be there in that top 12? And sure enough, they were. Uh, yeah, I think uh, a couple of guys pop out in that consideration, right? Kirk Cousins, you, you drafted Kirk Cousins real late if you drafted him all and you were hoping for around a 12 finish. He finishes 11. So that's nice. Had some really nice games in there as well. Um, the other guy I'd really like to point out is Kyler Murray because – Kyler Murray's interesting this year. You know, he hurt his shoulder. He had he had two or three games in there where he played really poor football. He just wasn't getting it done. Um, that offense had some downticks in general as a team around uh, his injury, and he still finishes two. You know, I said all offseason, this guy, this guy is absolutely the limits for Kyler Murray, who doesn't like he he doesn't feel like a marquee name yet, like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. These guys are at the top of everybody's list every year. But man, this kid, this kid could be just ridiculous and and you drafted him there right he was one of those top sort of four guys people were 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 picking and that's where he finishes even with the injury um he was just consistent and and just great all year I totally agree and uh there are some talks that you know Cardinals fans are not thrilled on Cliff Kingsbury um just in the play calling and what they were doing so yeah. there could be a change somewhere up the line one way or another. And obviously Kyler Murray was not fully healthy for the last five, six games of the season. And it took him and I mean, Nuke had a great week one, but he was still a new quarterback. Larry was in and out. Kirk was in and out. Um, so it was interesting, but I agree with you. If they can get settled in uh, Arizona, Kyler uh, could certainly be the number one perennially with again, that rushing upside, but also the ability to, to chuck it deep. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, two of the OGs. So I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers. He finished at number three, straight up nobody expected a top three finish from Aaron Rodgers however um, this is what we have been hoping for for the last couple of seasons he finally faded in ADP this year because we're like you know what dude like if you can give me top 10 I'm pretty stoked on it and I'll just draft you in the eighth round and like whatever I'll get value elsewhere well look you drafted him in the sixth seventh eighth ninth round and now you got a top three quarterback now he'd never put up incredible yardage because he just straight up didn't have to but when they got in the red zone it was not Aaron Jones who he got his to we'll talk about him in a minute but it was Devontae Adams it was Robert Tunyon it was Aaron Jones through the air and of course you had those deep bombs from occasion and he can run one in every once in a while so Aaron Rodgers getting the value on him but still somebody that you draft with your fingers crossed like dude you're still Aaron Rodgers but like uh, you're the last good quarterback left in drafting (laughs) so I'm going to take a stab on you and sure enough finishing number three is humongous another shout out to tom brady transfers teams has a new head coach there's a bunch of this bullshit preseason about bruce arians his way or the highway tom brady his way or the highway these guys are either gonna you know break records or they're gonna be a dumpster fire well they were somewhere in the middle and he was just fine he did have some weak winning 
weeks. He had a couple four touchdown games. He had a couple 400 yard games. Um, everybody was getting fed. Then he brings in AB mid season to even get better. Gronk was healthy all season. Tom Brady was phenomenal and he had very few bust games, if you will, finishing number eight overall. Again, you're drafting him probably in the 12th round now because he's he's old and he transferred teams and was it all, you know, McDaniels and Belichick? Well, sure enough, Brady was able to get it done. So shouts out to the OGs, Rodgers and Brady. Any last thoughts here on the quarterbacks before we move on to the running backs? No, I, I mean, outside of it was another year where, you know, if you don't go top eight, you're sort of digging the bottom of the barrel. Hell, by the time you get to 11, what's that, like a 40-point drop-off? But uh, yep. that's what we expect at the quarterback position. So so now we're good. Let's move on. We will talk about it more so as we move into the summer, of course. But just very quickly, are you, in general, are you a get my early quarterback early or are you a I'll, I'll, I'll play the waiver wire, I'll draft a couple streamers, and I'll just, I'll just find a Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan late in the draft? I have always been a late round quarterback guy. This year, I decided to pivot to see what would happen. And um, I decided that I was going Dak or die in as many leagues as I could. And I did go Dak and a lot of those teams died early because of it, but I didn't hate it. I didn't hate going quarterback early for the first time ever. So next year, I think I'll probably have a nice mix of both, but I'm, I'm, I'm off the late quarterback. Um, train okay it's not the only way to do things i've learned that this year i agree i went dak or die also in most of my leagues and i'm not bragging by any means but i think maybe i got more lucky than some that went dak or die and then had to rummage through the rest because i put my faith in justin herbert because again i know the kid i watched him grow up so i was like eh, we'll see what happens i had him on the, the end of my bench or as soon as dak went down herbert was either already on my team because he was doing well by week five or I went out and got him right away. So I escaped that for the most part in those Dak leagues. But, yo, we're going to talk Dak and the Cowboys later on. He's still, like, number three in points per game. Um, Just absolutely phenomenal what he could have done. Okay, let's move on to the running backs here. Top 12, again, full PPR scoring. Top 12 total points for running backs. Alvin Kamara, number one. Dalvin Cook, number two. King Henry, number three. Shouts out to the 2,000-yard club, the eighth running back all time. The only two, uh, the the two Titans there, um, Derrick Henry and, of course, Chris Johnson. David Montgomery, number four, shouts out to the Chicago Bears. Big up to you, Dewey's. Number five, Aaron Jones. Number six, Jonathan Taylor. Number seven, James Robinson. Eight, Josh Jacobs. Nine, Zeke Elliott. Ten, Kareem Hunt. Eleven, Nick Chubb. Teammates back-to-back. And number 12, the uh, hero for many, Mike Davis. Again, Kamara Cook, Henry, Montgomery, Jones, Taylor, Robinson, Jacobs. Elliot Hunt, Chubb, Davis, same question to you. Who amongst this group was the most surprising? There are a number of names in here that nobody considered preseason. Before I pick a guy here, I want to say that this was a weird year at the running back position because there were three consistent players. And, you know, even Kamara's questionable um, if he was consistent all year, had a couple of down games. But everybody else was just kind of, Eh, like you weren't happy with any of them. David Montgomery lands four. Talk about surprising. If you drafted David Montgomery, you were not happy with that pick almost all year long. This guy was an absolute bum until just the last four or five games where he put up all of his numbers. Jonathan Taylor, much of the same thing for him. Um, Kareem Hunt started off big. Nick Chubb comes back and, and he disappears. The lack of consistency this year was was hard to take 
as as a fantasy owner and i think that's where most of my surprise comes in when i you know when i go back and look at this list at the end of the year just the fact that some of these guys are in that top 10 in the top four for david montgomery is really surprising because it never felt like he belonged there outside of you know the two three games here over the last few weeks so that's my surprise and frankly if if Tariq cohen doesn't go down mid-season uh david montgomery is nowhere to be seen in the top four i don't think now talent wise and moving into next year i think he's earned his street cred i think he's legit i'm not knocking him at all i just think that they were divvying up the work especially the pass work to Tariq cohen once he went down they didn't just use someone else they tried cordell patterson who's a journeyman punt returner playing running back obviously that didn't work david montgomery got all the work and look, fantasy football, opportunity is king, gets all the work, boom. He was top five the last four or five weeks down the stretch, winning people weeks. And of course, we've been repping week after week after week. His playoff schedule is amazing. His playoff schedule is amazing. Yeah. His playoffs, oh, yeah. Sure enough, boom, he knocks it out of the park. So shouts out yeah. to David Montgomery. Here's what I'll I want to say about yeah, David Montgomery before we move off, though. The, the one change that people are going to forget about that happened right around the time David Montgomery took off is that Matt Nagy stopped calling plays and Bill Lazor took over as the play caller on that mm -hmm. team. As a Bears fan, I will tell you that he absolutely stabilized that offense when he took over and started calling plays. Took him a week or so to get his legs underneath him, but there's a lot to be said there. So I'm looking ahead to next year already with David Montgomery, and I'm saying watch what happens with that coaching staff. We'll get to the coaches later on in the offseason. They're extraordinarily important. But if Bill Lazor's calling plays again, I think that was a big part of that finish for Montgomery. That's a fantastic point, man. And and again, the opportunity is huge, but the ability for someone to look at a player and say, this is our best chance to win, to feed yep. this guy. Let's do it. The other version of that eventually, and it was so frustrating for fantasy owners, uh, was Jonathan Taylor, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody drafted him high. I think I got him in third round, maybe. I don't think I got him in a second or anything. Third or fourth round in most of my drafts, whatever. <clears throat> Had the pedigree. Uh, it was it was him or DeAndre Swift, pretty much bar none, heading into the draft. Then CEH lands on the Chiefs, so it's guaranteed CEH, Dynasty 101, you know, top seven pick, blah, blah, blah. Well, CEH drops off the map. Swift doesn't even get to play for a while. Cam Akers isn't a thing. And all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor is just, like, sitting there like, it looked slow, wasn't reading opportunities, couldn't score on the goal line, all this shit that he was prolific at, at, at Wisconsin. People started to murmur a little bit like, oh, another, another Ron Dane, right? Another Monty Ball, another guy out of Wisconsin who got burned out in college, can't do it. And I kept hitting people on Twitter. And I was like, look, dude, Melvin Gordon did not score one single touchdown as a rookie with the Chargers. That's all I kept saying. And, and then he was top five for the next four years in fantasy football. So I was like, just relax, you know, I got to throw a shout out to Jonathan Taylor. Now, a lot of this came at the back end of the season. Last week was huge. The week before that was huge. Another great schedule, but Jonathan Taylor finishing six, splitting the work three ways for most of the season. And certainly with Naheem Hines down the stretch. Now, again, another question mark, like David Montgomery, what's going to happen with Trubisky slash Foles? What's going to happen with Matt Nagy? What's going to happen with um, Tariq Cohen coming back? Like a lot of question marks in the bears for David Montgomery. Same with the Colts. I think obviously they have a rookie. They know what they have, but Malcolm or um, excuse me. Uh, um, his name is slipping my mind right now. We got one? hurt mid season uh, or got hurt preseason. Yeah. Marlon Mack. I had Malcolm Brown in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Marlon Mack didn't even play this season, yeah. which obviously was another person out of that room. So if he comes back, 
which I don't think he will. But if he comes back, what are they going to do with four heads in that room? Blah, blah, blah. Jonathan Taylor crushed it. Number six. Very, very impressive. I want to give another shout out before we move on to our kind of our, you know, set it and forget it. Two other guys that were waiver wire darlings, two other guys that carried fantasy teams. These guys were probably not drafted at all, but they were My picked boy. up immediately. James Robinson at number seven and Mike Davis at number 12. I mean, if you had CMC and he is CMC for week one and then he gets hurt, your your heart just falls to your feet and you're just like, holy shit, now what? Now for all these years that we've been we've been drafting the random the, the Reggie Bonifons uh, behind Christian McCaffrey is the handcuff and he never plays. We're kind of like, okay, well, we don't need the CMC uh, backup. If he gets hurt, we'll figure something out. Well, look, if you didn't get Mike Davis, you were hurting. They combined for the number four running back on the entire season. CMC only played three straight games. Now look, he had 30 points per game. So the guy's obviously still the, 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 the goat. Uh, however, Mike Davis carried your team. He had some down weeks, but my man's been a journeyman forever and he came in did an incredible job. And James Robinson straight up was the number four fantasy running back all season long until he sat out um, in the, in the, the championship there. So great, great season from them. Um, any other like honorable mentions for you? Uh, everyone else has pretty much said it and forget it when you drafted him. Yeah. I, I, I do want to toot my horn. I was ringing the James Robinson bell all off season as well coming out of the, uh, I think it was the senior bowl, maybe the Shriner game, whatever it was, this guy was, was ready, was ready to play. I didn't think he'd get a chance as quickly as he did. But uh, there is one guy I want to mention here that is, I'm cheating a little bit uh, because he he didn't finish top 12. He finished top 13, though. And if yep. you listen to my last stat, Rad, I just want to say the name Antonio Gibson one more time to you guys because I think Antonio Gibson next year will be the lead second year back. He'll outplay Jonathan Taylor. Um, he'll outplay Swift. He'll outplay all these guys uh, because this is a kid that didn't know how to play running back when he came into the league and finished top 13 on a bad team that started Dwayne Haskins for a while. So uh, this is, this is, this is a kid who's going to have a career that you should, you should have on your team somewhere. If uh, you want to hear more of that, uh, Dwee's broke down about 15 minutes of um, the Washington football team backfield and in general Antonio Gibson on last week's stat rat episode you can dial back just a couple episodes and check that out uh, I think that's a great call again I didn't mention him because he's top he is the 13th but again another rookie in the top 15 at least he did miss two games as well uh, but came back very very strong outing and we'll see what the Washington football team does but a young team we'll see how they do in the playoffs and everything else but uh, look Ron Rivera came out early and compared him to Christian McCaffrey and everybody just kind of like had a laughing fest and look, nobody mm-hmm. thinks he's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is one of a kind. If he's 80% of Christian McCaffrey ever in his, his uh, career though, he's a top yeah. five running back for fantasy. So you're saying get ahead of the crew. And I agree with you. So I'm, I'm all in on, on Antonio Gibson. You know, as he, well. may, he may not be CMC, but he's going to be Dalvin cook next year. Love that. Love that. And I dude, that's perfect. That's a perfect, uh, digression i guess away from because some players like you say something like oh he's the next uh julio jones you know he's the next whatever deshaun watson or, or uh you know uh patrick mahomes people are just like dude relax like he's not <laughs> but look there's always a next somebody because these guys kind of turn old. like nobody thought todd Gurley was going to be anything but far and away the number one running back in fantasy football three years ago and now he's borderline undraftable next season so right. just you know Stay water, as they say. All right. How about uh, kind of a set it and forget it player here? Again, 
a lot of injuries up at the top, uh, CMC and Saquon, uh, and my, I'll throw Michael Thomas in there, but we'll get to the receivers in a minute up at the top here, but your other guys, Kamara cook, Henry, um, I know that Zeke was very frustrating, but he's still top 10, uh, without Dak, those guys, look, you drafted them to be high and sure enough, they're top 10, um, who, and Nick Chubb as well in the top 12, who in this mix, like was the best for you, um, you drafted him high. You expected him to be your horse, and sure enough, he was. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones is probably that guy for me. Um, you know, it w- looked a little bit frustrating early in the season, but when he when he got in there, he got in there and he he, and he did some work. Again, we saw some guys like Jamal Williams, even AJ Dillon had a game in there. Who we don't, we don't know why they're getting the ball, but Aaron Jones has always done enough. He's one of the most electric guys with the ball. He's as explosive as they come and. And, you know, the coaching staff knows that Aaron Rodgers knows that, and he's just always going to get his. So that's a guy for me that I always feel safe drafting and it worked out this year. If you did. Excellent. He is a free agent. It's going to be interesting Uh, quickly without analysis. Do you think he stays or leaves green Bay? Oh, he'll stay. If they have any sense that he's staying. Got it. I am going to go with Dalvin cook. I love me some Alvin Kamara. People on the podcast know that Alvin Kamara is my you know, one of my top three favorite players in the entire NFL for a number of reasons. I've been over that. I won't spend time on it today, but Dalvin cook, I think is going to be my guy. He's number two, right behind Alvin Kamara. And if not for 56 fantasy points in one single game, Dalvin cook is probably the number one uh, PPR running back, but look, Dalvin cook, I had as my number three. So I believe preseason, I, my uh, PPR rankings were CMC Alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook. Then I had Saquon and then I had Zeke at number five. People were fucking chafing me about that. No, no, whatever it's in the past, but I did believe in Dalvin cook. I loved him out of Florida state dealt with the injuries back-to-back seasons. I got burned cause I kept drafting him cause I believed in the talent. Well, after two or three years of burning me and everybody else, he came out and he is one of the most consistent. You mentioned Alvin Kamara is number one, but he's not as consistent as Dalvin cook. Dalvin cook came out every single week put up a touchdown. He put up 80 to hundred total yards. And then on just all, and then on top of that, you had 150 yard games, 180 yard games, three touchdown performances, right? I mean, set it and forget it with Dalvin cook. So he is my guy. Obviously you got to give a shout out to Alvin Kamara who won people championships by himself. For the most part, I was thankfully able to overcome the Alvin Kamara situation one in one of my uh, championship leagues, but Derek Henry as well. We all knew what he was going to be later in the season. Sure enough, he is. Um, Aaron Jones, of course, there too. And then, look, Nick Chubb missed five games, and he's still in the top 12, right? He's and Kareem Hunt, yeah, yeah, Kareem Hunt I don't think would be here if, if he, if um, Nick Chubb missed those games. So Nick Chubb is a guy that I don't think he's going to be faded because he's Nick Chubb and everybody sees what he does. He's still a running back for me, and I don't think he's going to be drafted as such next year because of his overall numbers, but missed all that time and still an absolute beast. Any last minute thoughts on running backs before we get to wide receivers? Nope. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Top 12 PPR wide receivers, Devonte Adams, far and away 30 points ahead of Tyreek Hill. And he played one less game than Tyreek Hill. Devonte Adams, number one, Tyreek Hill, number two, Stefan Diggs, number three. We got to be talking about him in a second. DeAndre Hopkins, number four, Calvin Ridley, number five, Justin Jefferson, number six, DK Metcalf, number seven, Tyler Lockett, number eight, back-to-back Seahawks in the top eight. That's very impressive. Allen Robinson, uh, number nine, Adam Thielen, number 10, Mike Evans, 11, and A.J. Brown, 
number 12, your PBR top 12 total points. Adams, Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, Ridley, Jefferson, Metcalf, Lockett, A-Rob, Thielen, Evans, Brown. Who of this group was the most surprising to you, Dweez? Uh, for uh, two very different reasons, I'm going to say uh, a couple guys here. I think Calvin Ridley was a surprise. I know, you know, we saw the touchdown upside in his rookie year. We've seen him be a really nice complimentary piece, but you know, this year, Julio Jones finally misses time on the questionable tag. He's been questionable his whole career, but he's always played. Uh, that offense is, was just atrociously bad through most of this season. Uh, but Calvin Ridley just kind of got his again. You drafted him hopefully to be a, a high-end wide receiver too with some level of consistency and a nice ceiling, but he was that and a little bit more. Uh, I think people are really pleasantly surprised. Nobody in the, you know, that top four is probably what you'd expect if you knew, you know, Julio and Michael Thomas were going to be out. Hopkins was likely to be there. Tyreek Hill, Adams is a stud. Diggs a little better than people expected. I I love Diggs going in. I thought he was going to be what he is, but uh, not a lot of people did. The other surprise for me here is, is AJ Brown and and I'm surprised in both ways here. Okay, so he finishes 12. I have him in my home league. I kept him in for like a 13th round, which is a great price tag, but as an AJ Brown owner, I was disappointed more often than not because he's a one catch 75-yard touchdown guy and that just didn't happen as often as I would have liked to. Corey Davis coming on absolutely killed A.J. Brown's opportunity, I think, to be what people kind of hoped that he would be this year. But at the same time, in my actual rankings, I didn't rank him inside the top 20. So a 12 finishes is still pretty nice. He did. He managed to he managed to keep his uh, touchdown efficiency about as high as it was in his rookie season last year. So that was surprising and nice to see just wasn't quite what you were hoping for if you if you went out and got him though so 12 is both higher than i expected and lower than i expected if that makes any sense at all absolutely the way that he plays you would ex- and again it's all about volume right if if any receiver and look i think tay adams is in a league of his own he's again one of my favorite players i'll leave that there if anybody got the volume that tay adams got this year they're going to probably be in that top 3 conversation Stefan Diggs peppered DeAndre Hopkins peppered Calvin Ridley peppered Tyreek Hill peppered right last year we said okay Michael Thomas comes out 185 targets okay give anybody 185 targets they're going to be top 10 in fantasy football period so AJ Brown and I would argue you know these Seahawks receivers as well the Tyler Lockett set a Seahawks record with 100 receptions this year but the way that they were moving the ball in the first six games of the year, he should have had 150 easy. Both of those guys should have had that, but they didn't, right? So I agree with you. A.J. Brown was both exciting because he lit it up when he was in there, and he's he's top 10 when you do it points per game, but he missed two games, and he's got those boomer busts, which is just frustrating fantasy. I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs up at number three, and I knew the potential, but when I look at preseason – when I looked at him moving teams, the Odell Beckham situation, okay? Odell Beckham's all world. I know, say what you want about Odell Beckham. Nonetheless, the talent is there. Baker was coming off of a phenomenal season, his rookie year when Odell went over there. All the chips were going to fall for these guys. They were going to fucking just catch lightning in a bottle, whatever. Odell goes over there, stays healthy for the first time in his career, and he lays an egg because they just couldn't 
click, right? We see that a lot happening with a new wide receiver, a new quarterback, a new system, blah, blah, blah. Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins both had that going on this year. Nuke, I just felt like was just so good. He, he did it with like nine quarterbacks in Houston before Deshaun Watson. I believe in Nuke, no matter what, his hands are like six feet long or whatever the fuck. He's going to be fine. Stephon Diggs, I did not count on. And it had to do with Stephon Diggs. I thought he was more of an ego dude than he, I think, is because of the way things uh, ended in Minnesota. So I'm going to give him a shout out to that, that he's not as much of a diva as I thought he was in Minnesota. Also, I got to give Josh Allen credit as well, because Josh Allen came into the season as the least accurate quarterback on deep passes, least accurate in general, but least accurate in deep. And that's what they brought Stefan Diggs in. It was to fix that. I'm like, dude, there's no way in the first season, especially with COVID shit, no preseason, the whole thing. There's no way they're going to, they're going to have that right off the bat. Sure enough. Holy shit. <laughs> Leads the league in, in, in receptions. Absolutely on fire. Some massive games in the fantasy playoffs. Of course, Stefan Diggs has got to be my dude. <clears throat> I also want to give a shout out to DK Metcalf for, being who we all wanted him to be. And then um, Alan Robinson kind of like sustaining the storm there in Chicago. I want to, you know, give a, a prep to him. And then really my kind of honorable mention for most surprising is Justin Jefferson. Cause no, mm -hmm. no way you slice it. He's a rookie. He yeah. took over for Stefan Diggs. He's got Kirk cousins. They run the ball almost more than anybody else with Dalvin cook. Look, Dalvin cook is top two. Justin Jefferson's top six, Adam Thielen's top 10. They got it done. <laughs> the Vikings were able to move the ball. They didn't win a lot of games this year, but they did a lot for fantasy. So Diggs is my guy. Jefferson would probably be my uh, alternate there. Who amongst this group is your uh, set and forget it? Uh, so you, you said his name already. It's Allen Robinson. Um, I love Allen Robinson. He has the potential to be as good a wide receiver as anybody. He, I mean, like physically on the field, he might be as good as anybody else on the field. I agree. He suffered such such awful play around him his entire career he's one of these guys that should be a stud but is never going to win anything um you know calvin johnson comes to mind in detroit for so long such a great player andre poisoned johnson by, as well yeah poisoned by the people around him they just don't he don't think of the opportunity but Allen robinson is as cons far more consistent than you could ever expect if you just look at what the chicago bears offense did this year um, could be said about him any year on any of the teams he's played. He's just a good receiver, a great option for any quarterback, and teams continue to use him, and he's always going to be a wide receiver one. As long as he's playing, it doesn't matter what's going on around him. He's going to fall into that top 12. So he's a guy that I was drafting um, as my two wherever I could get him, and I knew I was going to plug him in and leave him alone all year for sure. One of my best strategies that happened to work out was – you know, if you if you went running back, running back in the first two rounds, which a lot of people did, then I was able to do some version of like Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods in the next three, four rounds. And in PPR, I mean, again, you have 60, 70 points just automatically every single week from those three guys. And of course, they all had boom games from here, there, too. I mean, just phenomenal. I want to dive in, not right now, but I want to dive into the Bears specifically with you as a Bears fan. When we dive into like 
later in the summer, we're going to kind of recap everything that happened, why it happened, coaching changes. Again, we have a lot of guys getting fired this week. We have Black Monday, of course, after the week 17. Guys are coming in. OCs are moving. New head coaches. Yada, yada. A lot's going to change, so we're going to save all those team previews till the summer. But I want to talk to you and just see, like, look, I agree. Allen Robinson, phenomenal. He had, what was it, 14 or 15 and 1,500 yards or something with Blake Bortles and the Jags or whatever. He's, he's able to get it done. The only thing he doesn't have among the elite wide receivers is breakaway speed, but he could be Devontae Adams, in my opinion, who also doesn't have breakaway speed, but gets open by so much, he can have those big plays. So I love Allen Robinson myself. I'm going to go with my boy Tay Adams. Number one, seems kind of like an easy pick here. However, preseason, again, this is before uh, Michael Thomas gets injured and, and kind of fucks fantasy for most people that drafted him, top five probably. Tay Adams was my dude. I had him number one over Nuke two years ago when he got hurt. I had him number one over Michael Thomas this year, believed in it. I just thought Aaron Rodgers was going to come back with a vengeance and feed him. Sure enough, he did. He had eight points per game more than he did last year, Devontae Adams. Eight Mm. points per game more than he did last year, which is absolutely unreal. Devontae Adams, unfortunately, has a little bit of an injury bug. He's good to miss two or three games a year, which you can't have as your number one receiver. But this dude played... He missed two games and he's the number one wide receiver by 30 points. <laughs> Tay's the man. I'll do that for you, man. 17 touchdowns. And again, oh, every time they're oh, in the red zone. What do you score ahead. yesterday? That was, I, I had that written down from before last week. What do you score? What do you score this week? I don't know. I will bring it up here in just two seconds. He's got 18 touchdowns. That's stupid. Yeah, and he's able to, again, it, when they're in the red zone, which is what you get, they do not run the ball on first and goal. They play action, throw to Tay three times, and if he doesn't get it, maybe they'll give Aaron Jones a chance after that. Um, let's bring it in here real quick. 2020, uh, yes, 18 touchdowns. Also remember, the big knock on Devontae Adams was he had 1,000 yards one time in his in his career, right? He, had, he was three short in 2019, got 1,000 again, 115 receptions, 149 targets. Again, 40 targets off of uh or 30 targets i guess off of um michael thomas and and still doing as much damage so love my boy tay adams and and he was able to get it done i had him number one i was riding him all season i drafted him in most of my leagues and uh sure enough he was able to get it so that made me uh pretty pretty stoked there to ride that one out all right man let's jump into the tight ends and then we'll quickly preview uh the nfl playoffs for the wild card matchup here top 12 Tight ends, Travis Kelsey, number one, no surprise there. Darren Waller, number two. Robert Tunyon, number three. Logan Thomas, number four. TJ Hawkinson, six. Mike Kosicki, seven. Rob Gronkowski, eight. Noah Fant, nine. Hayden Hurst, 10. Dalton Schultz, not Blake Jarwin, number 11. And Hunter Henry at number 12. And quick honorable mention before we even get any further, shouts out to the old man, Jimmy Graham. Number 13 on the season, still getting it done. Definitely a, definitely a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Certainly a fantasy Hall of Famer for what he did early in his career. But Kelsey, Waller, Tunyon, Thomas, Hawkinson, Andrews, Gasicki, Gronk, Fant, Hurst, Schultz, and Henry. Who of this group was the most surprising for you? Real quick, Jimmy Graham almost lost his job to Cole Komet this year. It was coming. It was so com- it's 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 Mitch happening next year, said, but it was coming. Not happening. Mitch said, "I'm I, that's my guy, Jimmy Graham. I don't know who the fuck this Cole Komet guy is. No, thank you." But yeah, you're right. It is coming. Komet's gonna be Komet's gonna be good. Probably not great. Uh, yeah, the surprising guys here, I think they're obvious. Tunyon, I mean, out of nowhere, Robert Tunyon, this big lumbering mountain of a man just scoring touchdowns. I think I run a faster 40 than he does, but that doesn't matter. Logan Thomas, 
Um, number four, that's your three and four right there. Logan Thomas converted quarterback. Again, Washington, not a great team this year, but a bright spot. Logan Thomas, he dropped a lot of passes this year. Just imagine how good he could have been if he could work. Just work on those hands, man. Get the jugs machine going this offseason. He could be a real stud too. Those two guys kind of jump out because they weren't drafted at all anywhere. But, you know, I, I was down on Rob Gronkowski. I didn't think he could do it. He came back and caught plenty of touchdown passes. I was down a little bit on Mike Gesicki. He came in and absolutely demanded work, especially when Tua came in. So some surprising names on here, but you can't, I mean, you can't answer that question without saying Robert Tunyon or Logan Thomas. 100% agree. And those would be my two as well. We had mentioned preseason. I want to give a shout out to our boy, Bobby Lamarco here on the TCK pod. He was the only one, in my opinion, that I heard like realistically. I mean, people throw out, you know, 40 names for their top tight ends and somebody's going to stick and then they claim them and whatever. He was legitimately like Logan Thomas is filling the void, right? Jordan Reed for so long was there and they had other guys in, in Washington kind of being that tight end. Alex Smith likes to throw to the tight end. Ron Rivera likes to use the tight end with Greg Olson in Carolina. All the, all the matches were happening for Logan Thomas to be somebody. He just hadn't been somebody individually yet, convert a quarterback, yada, yada. But Bobby came out early in the preseason. He and I compared our, our uh, tight end rankings. I didn't even have Logan Thomas on my list of like 25 or something. Bobby had him at like eight <laughs> or something ridiculous. I'm like, what the hell? Is this a misprint for somebody else? Sure enough, he called out Logan Thomas. And that was a great call, obviously. Robert Tunyon clearly was the man. And let's look, Jay Sternberger was the guy everybody was hoping would work out in Green Bay. It's yeah. Robert Tunyon. I want to give a couple shout outs to some other guys here. You know, Mike Kosicki was able to come through. We've been waiting for his breakout. I think it's even better next season. Battled injuries down the stretch there. Look, uh, Noah Fant had some really ups, really down games. If he can level off with Drew Locke or whoever else, I think he's going to be great later on. And look, Rob Gronkowski just finishing 16 games is a win. And he went he went two for two most of the season, but those two catches were two touchdowns almost every time. So Gronk got it done. Again, if you were kind of like tongue in cheek, like, ah, fuck you guys in the draft. I'm going to draft Gronk in the 15th round, you know, whatever, kind of like joking. It worked out. Right? I mean, having a top 10 tight end who scores almost every other week uh, is a huge advantage in your um, league. And I did say, and we'll say it again this season, when draft season comes around, last year it was Darren Waller and it was uh, Mark Andrews. Those were the tight ends last year that came out of nowhere, and they were the Robert Tunyons and Logan Thomases. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, next season, Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas, they might be great as well. They might be here to stay. Uh, again, Darren Waller, number two this year. Mark Andrews, number six, missed some games. They're here to stay. Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas hopefully will be as well. But I guarantee you, next year, we're going to have one or two guys that we don't even know of right now who are going to be top tight ends because of the scheme, a coaching change, a quarterback change, an injury, whatever. So again, if you don't go Kelsey, maybe Waller at this point, you can flush out and you might be able to find a couple other guys there. Also, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is on the brink of being something very, very special. Again, if he can get a quarterback of the magnitude of uh, Matt Stafford healthy for an entire season, that kid is, is absolutely legit. Of this list, Dweez, we'll end it here. Who is the most... Um, Set it and forget it. We're going to take Kelsey out. Um, I mean, shouts out to people that believed in it, went number one, you know, and you wrote it out. Obviously, that worked out. Other than Kelsey, though, who was kind of the, the best, like, you drafted him to be this guy, and sure enough, he was. And honestly, this is a tough one because there's not many guys on this list that were in the top draft picks in draft season on tight ends. 
Yeah. Um, two things to say before I get to that. One, I am a numbers guy. I'm stat first. I test second. But uh, Noah Fant, uh, if you're if you're judging by the eye test alone, Noah Fant belongs right there with Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. He love that. Totally agree. Playing well, and it's, they can get the shit going with with Drew Locke on that team. Noah Fant could be fan. He's so fun to watch. He's he's one of my favorite tight ends to watch play football. Um, and the other thing I need to say here, a buddy from my podcast, he would tell you that the guy that is going to pop off next year and jump up to the top of this list is Chris Herndon. He's been tooting his name. Set him free. <laughs> some time now. It's uh, he's, he's all about it. But the guy for me that was set it and forget it that I, that I thought was just really nice and consistent drafted, you know, somewhere around eight, somewhere in that general range is Hunter Henry comes back from injury, you know, playing with the rookie over there in Los Angeles. And he was just consistently good every week. I don't know that we had any big blow up games for him. But uh, when you're playing tight ends, for the most part, if you're not drafting a guy real high, what you need is a solid, consistent floor. And I think Hunter Henry is going to be a solid, consistent floor for some time moving forward. We'll see what happens with the coaching change there now that Anthony Lynn's gone. But um, Hunter Henry's a good player. He's got good rapport with his quarterback. I agree. And there was a lot of uh, question marks there of what they were going to do once Terod Taylor went down and then. Austin Eckler going down, I think, helped out tremendously. We know that sure. Herbert dropped off down the stretch when Eckler came back. Keenan Allen was out of his mind. Then he gets injured. Mike Williams is just uh, so frustrating, the talent's there, but he can't stay healthy. So there is that question of, like, is Hunter Henry – I think we all believe he's talented, but is he really that guy moving forward, or was he a product of opportunity and just, frankly, staying healthy? So many of these guys are in that just – if they stay healthy, they'll be great – but we all know that most of the time they do not stay healthy. I'm going to give a shout out to Mark Andrews. Um, number of reasons. First of all, he was kind of that like Kittle or Kelsey Kittle or one or the other. Uh, I will be honest. I'm a 49er homer, but I just straight up was like, Kelsey might fall off a little bit. Kittle is ascending. I took Kittle as my number one in a couple leagues. Obviously that backfired. Um, but I'm going to go with Aaron, uh, uh, Mark Andrews because he went, kind of that number three or four ish, a lot of expectation. Now he finished six, but he missed two games. Here's the biggest reason. I was really tuned into the COVID situation preseason on like some guys that it may affect more than others because of underlying health concerns. John Brown has the sickle cell issue. Uh, then they brought up Mark Andrews, who's a diabetic. And they were saying that like, look, he might just opt out because of like, if he gets it, it could really damage him, you know, just in real life health. So why risk it kind of a thing? Sure enough, um, he played pretty much entire season, 14 games, uh, and he's consistent. And we know that, you know, Lamar missed a couple of games. He wasn't playing very well in the middle season. So these numbers are probably even deflated a little bit on his general consistency on a better season. Mark Andrews was out a couple of weeks, came back, was flat. I think he's top five easy next year drafting wise. Uh, so Mark Andrews, I think, was a setup. Forget it. Maybe disappointing by a hair, just because of the expectation he set up. But the fact that he came out of nowhere two years ago um, was was a big one. Okay. Any other thoughts on tight ends or anybody else here before we jump into the NFL playoff preview? No, no. I think we covered them pretty well. Let's do these fucking games. Got it. All right. So we are going to segue into the playoff preview. 
Now, we're, for sake of time, A and B, you know how we do this. We got to get Bobby in here. Bobby's always chomping at the bit. He's got his numbers. He's got his stats. He's got his analytical breakdowns and spreadsheets. You know he wants to bring you all of the uh, cornerback and wide receiver matchups and coaching opportunities and who plays zone versus who plays man. We're going to let Bobby get into all of that for these games here on the actual game previews. But right now, Dweez and I are just going to frankly just kind of like, hey, Sunday came and went. All 16 games happened on Sunday. Look, love me some Thursday night football. I love Monday night football. I even got used to Friday and Tuesday and Saturday and Wednesday afternoon and whatever football, right? How good was it, though, Dweez, to have 16 games? And finally, the NFL figured it out where you do half in the morning, or for me, it's the morning, half early, half late, and then you have a Sunday night game. How good was it? Minus the like taste that the Eagles game left in everyone's mouth. I'm going to save that for another conversation. How good was it just to have red zone stacked all day long? Yeah, dude, I sat down uh, for, for a kickoff in that first round of games and I, I didn't get up from the couch, but the, the piss and shit until uh, well after bedtime. So I was, it was, it was great. I, I love it. I love the options. You know, I have a three TV set up with the red zone on all of them. So I have options on games. I want to be able to look at more than just just the uh, very minimal afternoon slate. So, yeah, it, that's that's how I prefer my football. Give them all. Three it, at one. it was so good. It was so good to have that giant slate up there. So hopefully we get more of that moving forward. But the games have come and gone. We have seven teams in each league set up now. So what we're going to do is just kind of. You know, again, we're not going to break down these teams fully and the matchups and all that. We're going to save that for another episode, but I'm going to break down who is in and we are just going to quickly kind of like give a general thought on their chances in the playoffs with those matchups, yada, yada. Let's get into it. We'll try to save it to about 10, 15 minutes or so. We'll try to bust it out here and get into it deeper later on in the week. We'll start with the AFC here. Number one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs, 14-2. and two. They have this week off, losing to the Chargers last week. Didn't mean anything. They sit their studs. Tyreek Hill gets to rest the old hammy. They're good to go. They play in two weeks, so they're off the slate. Number two, Buffalo Bills. Absolutely phenomenal season, 13-3. and three. Number three, Pittsburgh Steelers. Eey, looked ugly for three weeks. They come back. They lose up to the Browns. They get the Browns again this week. We'll cover that in a second. 12-4. and four. Now, four teams in the AFC are at 11-5. and five. The Titans, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Colts, all at 11-5. and five. The AFC is absolutely stacked. We will cover the NFC teams really quick, and then we'll get into all the matchups here. NFC, number one seed, Green Bay Packers, 14-2. and two. They get to rest as well. They will host the NFC at Lambeau Field as long as they're in the playoffs. And we know it's going to be cold. We know it's going to be snowy. We know it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and A.J. Dillon weather up there in Green Bay. Huge advantage. Number two, New Orleans Saints, 12 and four. Uh, Taysom Hill got it done with Drew Brees out. No worries there for the Saints. We'll see if they can get out and he can ride off in the sunset. Number three, Seattle Seahawks, 12 and four. Surprising there, actually, uh, that they got to 12 wins. Washington football team. Backs in from the NFC least. We know the whole story here. I am so stoked for Ron Rivera. Shouts out to the 1985 Bears. And also to my boy, Alex Smith. Number four seed, seven and nine. Say what you will. The Washington football team is in. And in my opinion, the best team in the NFC East. So nonetheless, it worked out. Number five, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, 11 and five. Number six, the Los Angeles Rams at 10 and six. And then your Chicago Bears back in on accident. They lose a game, but the Cardinals lose a game as well. The Rams help out your Bears. The Bears back in on a loss. 
eight and eight for the number seven seed. Let's start on Saturday. So we have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Preview them very quickly. Give me your general thoughts for NFL matchup purposes. How do we feel? Let's start with the morning slate. We have the number seven seed Indianapolis Colts going up against the number two seed Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. How do you feel about this game here? I will try real hard not to break these games down too much, but in short, if the Colts can run on the Bills, which is doable, they might win this game. Um, but in reality, Bills Chiefs is going to decide the Super Bowl this year. I know they're sure. in the same conference, but one of those two teams is going to go to the Super Bowl this year. Out of the AFC. And we're going to get into pickums here later on in the week, and we'll have kind of our own little fun DFS situation we're going to get into as well later on. So stay tuned for that. But I agree with you. If Jonathan Taylor can be what he was last week, they might have a chance. But Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are just absolutely playing out of their mind. And, you know, the Colts are very good against the run. The Bills don't run, and they don't have to. So I don't think I don't think that's a negative against the Bills. So uh, I, I think I think the Bills roll them as well. Look, All right, let's get in. Go ahead. There are three guys this year at quarterback that can score at will, mm. and that's Mahomes, Rodgers, and and Josh Allen. So you know the game plan has got to be to run the ball and keep Allen off the field, but it doesn't take them long. So it's going to be tough. Think about what you just said and dial that back to about fifteen months ago. Yeah. There's three quarterbacks in the league that can score at will. Mahomes, Rogers, and Josh Allen. Phenomenal. Love this kid. It's 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 impossible not to root for, for Josh Allen, the Bills, unless, of course, you're a Patriot, Dolphin, or Jets fan. Okay, let's move into the afternoon slate. This one is from the NFC. It's the number six St. Uh, St. Louis. Wow. Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> that's how that's how that's how old we are. The Los Angeles Rams, number six seed, going up against the number three seed, Seattle Seahawks. Of course, both in the NFC West. They have played twice already this year. The Rams defense is the truth. The Rams defense is pretty much the only one that has shut down DK Metcalf all season long. This one's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, this is my favorite matchup. My favorite on-field matchups all weekend are going to – it's going to be DK and Tyler Lockett versus Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams. That – that is going to be an insane matchup to watch on both ends of the field all day. Great defense, offense that's sputtering. Um, should be should be good football, but that pass game defense for uh, the Rams versus those receivers is going to be fun. There's a chance that Jared Goff misses this game as oh, well again yes. with the with the thumb injury. Look, Wolford got it done. He beat the Cardinals. He's fun. He's kind of a um, more well-rounded, I would say, Taysom Hill. He runs the ball, but he can also throw it. He's a great story. Kind of a they were comparing him to Kurt Warner from the Rams back in the early 2000s, and what he like bagging groceries and then took him to the Super Bowl kind of a thing. This guy was taking like finance classes three weeks ago, and now all of a sudden he's playing a, a playoff game here for the Rams. Great story. Seattle's defense, though, has absolutely been crushing the last two months of the season. So as well as I think the Rams halt maybe the Seattle uh, wide receivers, which of course are going to have to do. Uh, and they're great against the run. If whoever the quarterback is, if they're not able to run it up on the Seahawks, it might be too much in Seattle. Final matchup here on Saturday, number five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 11 and five record against the Washington football team. Number four hosting, of course, because they won the division, one of the worst rules in NFL history. Nonetheless, they get to host this game, uh, losing four more games on the year. This game is in Washington, uh, D.C., but it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team. Straight up, dude, do you think Washington has a chance? 
they absolutely have a chance. This defense, when they're playing well, uh, is as good as Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, it, you know, Ooh, is Carlton Davis spicy? Come- I like that. Yeah, is is uh, is Carlton Davis back um, for the Bucks? I think that actually makes a really big difference in this game, as he's one of the best players in football, as far as I'm concerned. But Alex Smith back, you know, Gibson's back. Everybody's playing really well on the offense. It's still what it is as an offense, but that defense is is really solid. The problem is that uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks offense is averaging 37 points per game since thereby not great defenses they've played against, but they scored third most on a season. When this offense is going they're they're very, very difficult to stop. Could be without Mike Evans. Could be, but between Godwin, um, even Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, these guys could start on just about any other team in the league. Like they have depth there. I think they're fine. Dude. How good did AB look? Yes. Oh my God. Straight up. I mean, straight up, dude, the, 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 the gig is up the jokes, the, uh, the, I mean, this dude got his head, right. Tom Brady brought him in, slapped him around and said, look, kid, I will get you a ring. If you just keep your fucking mouth shut and do your job. And he's doing and, it. And AB has respect for one person. It's Tom Brady. He did it. He came in. He looked, he looked straight up vintage AB on yeah. uh, one of his touchdown grabs. And I was just like, damn dude, if he, <laughs> if they're sinking now, uh, obviously we know what can happen there. So interesting situation. If your boy Gibson can get loose on what is not as scary of a rush defense mm-hmm. anymore. Um, Washington, man, in Washington, this is gonna be great. I hope it's close. I think everybody's rooting for Washington just because of the story and everything else. I'm not a Brady hater by any means, but I would love to see Washington somehow get this one in. It's good. It's going to be close. I know we're not doing pickums, but I got it at 20 to 17. And I do think the Bucks eat out. You can't discount Brady and what he can do, but this defense for the football team is going to hold, hold them down, hold that Tampa offense down a little bit. Totally agree. Love that. Let's get into the Sunday sleeve here. Three more games. We have the Baltimore Ravens at the number five seed going up against the Tennessee Titans, the number four seed. We know what happened last year. King Henry came in and really kind of like established when it's cold, when it's late in the year, Derrick Henry crushes. We knew he was going to do it. He did came in and really at that point last year, before the chiefs became the chiefs and won the Super Bowl, I would argue that the Ravens were kind of that like, who's going to beat the Ravens? Like the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. Who's going to, you know, who's going to beat them from the NFC. And the Titans came in last year as the the bottom seed and waxed them uh, straight up. So this is a rematch who kind of two old school, just punch you in the mouth type football teams. Ravens are playing their best ball the season right now. Tennessee, obviously as well. And you saw from the AJ Brown deep bomb to get them in uh, field position to kick the game winning field goal. They can throw the ball. Nobody thinks of the Titans as an, a team to throw, but Tannehill is incredible. He obviously has wheels on those bootlegs. You talked about A.J. Brown and Corey Davis earlier, even Jonu Smith every once in a while. This one's going to be a slobber knocker, as my dad used to say. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a really good game. I got this as one of the higher scoring games uh, this weekend. But look, you just can't you just can't trust that Tennessee defense. Look what they did last week against Houston when they had nothing to play. I know it was Deshaun Watson, whatever, but that defense is so bad. They give up, they give up touchdowns on any given play at this point. It feels like, and and you said it, the Ravens are playing their best ball. Lamar's back to form. J.K. Dobbins found his feet, which is Oof. really exciting to watch. Hollywood has been it's scored every single week in the league since I dropped him off my fantasy team. Well done, um, the fantasy community thanks you. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> you know. 
I think the defense, the Ravens defense is good enough to slow down Henry, not stop him. I need, he went 133 in a touchdown against them in week 11. I think they can keep him probably around 100, maybe a touchdown. If they could do that, they're going to win this game. Um, really good defense for the Ravens, really bad defense to the for the Titans, but both offenses are really good. So I think it's, it's got to be that defensive differential that wins this though, right? I, I think that's right. And the Ravens were hurting for about five weeks due to COVID and injuries and Clayus Campbell being out and big Williams up the middle who's a bowling ball. He's great. Uh, he was out Their Their secondary has been hurt. Those, a lot of those guys are healthy and back and recovered. Uh, and again, it's about how you come into the playoffs and the Ravens are arguably the hottest team um, right now outside of Buffalo, I'd say in the AFC. All right, let's move into the afternoon slate on Sunday. That's going to be the Chicago bears getting in there, number seven seed up against New Orleans, going to be a tough task, man, at number two, Breeze at home. Look, Breeze, obviously, first bout Hall of Famer, yada, yada. We all know about Drew Breeze. The one, I don't even know what's a knock because the dude's just such a legend. The one knock I would have on Drew Breeze, though, and he doesn't choke. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's got a lot of playoff wins. But kind of that Peyton Manning thing where, like, he's going to get you to the playoffs every single year. You know they're going to be 11-5 and five worst you can't count on them in the playoffs necessarily being at home is huge. We all remember the Minneapolis miracle, but there's been some other upsets for the saints in games. They should have won. No offense. I don't think Chicago has a chance personally in this game, but we've said that about the Vikings a couple years in a row. We've said it about other teams, the Seahawks in the, in the beast quake game years ago um, with Marshawn Lynch. I don't know, man, this one feels a little sticky for some reason. It's it's you don't need to worry about it. The Saints are going to win this game easy. Look, the Bears defense, obviously the best part of their team. They're just fucking worn down 35 points last week. Um, and again, on a dime, whenever he felt like scoring Rogers putting in against this defense, who's supposed to be one of the top four or five defenses in the league. I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be back. I don't know what the news is there, but uh, I'm not sure it really matters. Uh, the Bears offense can't do anything i mean they've scored over 30 and four of their last five games but they played jacksonville minnesota houston and detroit these are four of the worst defenses in the league outside of those four games they average 17 points a game so like the saints are going to score more than 17 that's what it comes down to how about this luxury even if alvin Kamara misses you bring back michael thomas yeah. Now, Michael Thomas has been on the IR the last couple of weeks. Obviously, didn't help you in fantasy at all this season, because even when you right. played him, he was bad. Yeah. But he's still Michael Thomas. Yeah. Uh, look, if they're full suds, I totally agree. Saints roll them. But if Kamara's out and somehow Michael Thomas isn't in full swing, uh, I don't know, dude. This is just one of those. There's always a game or two every postseason where a team that shows up that has no business being in the building comes in and, and waxes a good team. I think the Saints roll them. But <laughs> you know what? Off- I'd love to see it happen. I just, it's not going to, but I would <laughs> yeah. love it. It'd be great. Yeah. I think the one thing that won't let it happen is the David Montgomery, who's been the truck for the offense, him going up against that rush defense, I just don't think is going to happen. And Mitch Trubisky and Alan Robinson, as much as I love A-Rob, isn't going to be able to get loose enough to counter that. So I agree. I think the Saints roll. All right, let's go into the Browns and the Steelers. Number six seed, the Browns, the three seed, the Steelers. Obviously they played literally last week. They play back-to-back games. They played just a few weeks ago before that. Big Ben didn't play in this game uh, last week. They had Mason Rudolph, maybe strategy, maybe resting the old veteran, whatever it was. The Browns 
get into the playoffs by beating the Steelers. Now all of a sudden they play each other to move on to the divisional round here. This one I think is going to be, I mean, the, you know, the Titans and the Ravens obviously is going to be an incredible game. I think the Bills Colts is going to be very good as well, but the Browns and the Steelers, I think is kind of the sneak attack. It's the last game of the slate Sunday night football, if you will, for the playoffs. Uh, this one's going to be interesting and straight up, dude, I think the Browns have a chance. The Browns eked out a win last week versus Mason Rudolph and when the Steelers clearly didn't really give a shit if they won or not. They don't have a chance. This is how the Browns have won this year. Okay, They've won a lot of games. Credit to them. The offense has looked good. But they've they've won games when their offense can outscore their opponents. I know that sounds stupid to say, but their average score in their wins, if you take out those two weather games where, it, you know, like 80-mile-an-hour wins – it was 33 to 27 was a score of an average win, right? They just have to score more points than their opponent. Nobody's going to stop anybody. That's the kind of game they can win. Their average score in their losses was 15 for the Browns. Like Pittsburgh defense is the best defense in the NFL from the front to the back. Okay. When they're, when they're out here and they're ready to play, they're going to slow down this Cleveland Browns offense. And uh, while the Steelers offense has looked shaky of late, they have shown the ability to go off even on this short passing play sort of offensive scheme that they're running. They have the ability to score a lot of points quickly if they need to. I think they're going to go off. I think the the Steelers make this a statement game and just fucking destroy the Browns. Ooh, you know, it's interesting. I think, I don't think the Browns have any sort of like blow them out. None of that shit. The, the Steelers clearly have righted a few wrongs from about a month ago. They looked absolutely fucking horrible. The Steelers for three weeks. They're clearly better than that. Now. Um, I guess that, you know, it always comes down to like the trenches and the run game versus the great run defense and things like that. Um, I think, you know, one thing here and, and say what you want about, uh, Baker Mayfield and Lucas and I have been going back and forth for two years. He gives me shit because I pseudo tongue in cheek root for Baker pretty much because Lucas doesn't like him. Um, <laughs> but one thing I will give Baker, and I think this is like legit in a big time game, first playoff game in fucking Cleveland since like the 1400s or something, if I read that right. And Baker gets up for big games. He gets up for big games when he plays with that, with that, that uh, chip on his shoulder and extra chip, if you will. And that kind of like me against the world, fuck you guys. I'm going to prove you wrong. To his credit, he plays very well. Now he lays an egg against the fucking Jets and like <laughs> shitty teams he should beat by 30. They play down to their opponent. And that's something that they need to fix. And I think Stefanski gets it right eventually. But in this game, dude, like as much of it's a prove it, hey, we're still the Steelers. This might be like a, hey, we're the fucking Browns. Like I know it's a joke because of what they've been. But they have a chance to, like, look, Ben's on his way out, dude. They don't have a run game, like, traditionally. Their defense is very good. But this could be a turning of the tie. I don't know, man. It's just one of those, like, Cinderella-ish type situations that, like, I'm, I I kind of – if Baker plays perfect football, which he's done once or twice this season, they can throw the ball. They have an incredible running attack. I don't know, man. If, if Big Ben comes out flat, Deontay Johnson drops fucking four passes – they don't have a run game. Um, I think there's a chance. So I think it's going to be very, very close in this one. Yeah. Uh, my opinion on this game could be colored because many of my friends are Browns fans and you know, it's been a while. So they're all very, very excited about it. And I want to see all their hopes and dreams dashed, but uh, <laughs> dude, I've got this game 42 to 24. I don't have it close. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't done a score projection yet. We're going to get into pick later in the week, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to go, 
off the top of my head, I think it's lower scoring. I'm going to go maybe like a 27, 21, 27, 24 type of thing. I'm not sure who I lean yet, but nonetheless, I think it's a one score ball game. All right, Dweez, we're over it now. We, uh, I'm going to save kind of the, the year preview. I just think there's so many other things to go. I mean, we had some basic things to let everybody know about, but we're going to share that on another episode. We have a mock draft coming up next for you and I, um, we're going to be breaking down basically like redrafting the 2020 season. If that makes sense, I'll explain more of that in the next episode. I'm excited about that. Dweez, man, it's just good to hear your voice like, and talk to you. We, yes. We've been in touch all season. I listen to every Tuesday. I get a shit ton of golden nuggets um, from your stat rats. We're going to be bringing those back next year, obviously one of our better episodes here on the podcast. Um, but you and I hadn't done a lot during the season. It's great to reconnect with you, man. I hope you and your family had an incredible, uh, holiday season, incredible new year. Uh, we are in 2021, man. The energy in general feels better. I'm fucking amped off of 2020 and you and I are, we're just degenerates on the podcast. Like I'm pretty fired up for like nine months from now when we get back to work on 2021 nice. uh it's a it's a good thing man and i'm just so stoked to have you a part of the team and it was a lot of fun to do this one and uh if you're game bro let's uh let's do it all over again with the mock draft hell yeah hell yeah it's been fun man i can't wait for the next time yo you know how we do this i want you to rep all of your uh avenues as well we're a family on the tck pod but as i always rep everybody on the tck pod has side hustles as well within the tck community dweez Give everybody all of your links as well. Cool. I am Dweez Nuts, all Z's, no S's. You can hit me on Twitter. That's where I like to spend my time. I'm on Instagram too, but only because Sky made me. Um, go find me on Twitter instead. I've got my own podcast. It's called Your Football Fantasy. Me and two of my buddies get fucked up once a week uh, and spend 90 minutes talking football for you. We are getting ready to wrap up our season. We take a several-month break, but we've got two really cool shows coming up. Um, we, we play a lot of games against each other. We're going to, we're going to wrap those up and sort of do our year in review here in a couple of weeks. And then we play a game, a game show on our, on our podcast called get fucked up. We will do that game show where my wife, the cave of excellence will come and play, uh, Alex Trebek, God rest his soul and, uh, watch all of us drink until we puke. So that should be a fun, fun radio hour as well. But that's me, your football fantasy, Dweez nuts, all these and West is on Twitter. Not many podcasts get the wife involved as well. I know that you do that uh, on, on yours and it's always uh, very entertaining. Uh, so well done on your side. Go check them out. Dweez nuts, all Z's, no S's on Twitter primarily. I did make you make an Instagram just so that you can <laughs> pay attention. Here's what happens. Here's why I did this. Because you have a take on the podcast. I share that take in general yeah. on Instagram to make a post and people jump my ass. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Talk to Dweez about this. This has nothing to do with me. So that's why so you can go defend yourself. Dweez, always a pleasure, bro. Let's do it again. Episode 339 in the books, 2021 underway, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Sky Guasco. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. And for my man, Dweez Nuts, we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.